G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I need to forgive myself. Really? You're not in a position to forgive yourself. So instead of trying to forgive yourself, try this thought on for size. You need to understand the power and completeness of God's forgiveness purchased for you by the blood of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that made our forgiveness possible. Pastor Greg Laurie says his blood washed away our sin. Stop trying to forgive yourself. It's time to apply the blood. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. New believers and non-believers can be baffled by so many references to blood in the Scripture. Washed in the blood, saved by the blood, the blood of the covenant, the blood of the Lamb. On a new beginning, some biblical history and context today as Pastor Greg Laurie takes us to the book of Exodus and Moses' confrontation with the Pharaoh of Egypt. A confrontation that culminated one night in the death of all the firstborn sons of Egyptians. But the Lord passed over and spared all the Jews. kind of picking up in our story, remember that the Lord is going to give Moses detailed instructions on something they were going to do from that day forward called the Passover. And the Passover is very important to both Jews and to Christians. And here are God's instructions for observing the Passover. Let's read them in Exodus chapter 12. I'll read verses one to five. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. While the Israelites are still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in their neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or goat, with no defects. We'll stop there. So the Passover, as I said, is important to the Jews. This is to remember what God did for them. That he passed over them in his judgment upon Egypt because they observed this and did what he told them to do. But Passover is important to believers as well, to Christians, because Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples because he knew it pointed to him. Everything in the Old Testament points to what is fulfilled in the New Testament. Christ is concealed in the Old Testament. He's revealed in the New Testament. So all of these feasts and other things that they did were pointing to Messiah. And that is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, indeed Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. 
That's why John the Baptist pointing to Jesus said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the fulfillment of the Passover Lamb. So here's some takeaway points from the Passover that apply to you. And if you're taking notes, here's point number one. The Passover was to be a new beginning. The Passover was to be a new beginning. Verse two, from now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. So God starts by making this a new beginning for the nation Israel, right in the middle of the year. God gives to the people a new beginning. Number two, the lamb that they were to offer was to be the very best. It was to be carefully chosen and examined, the very best. We should bring our very best to God, not our leftovers. But do we do it? Listen, put God first and give Him your best because He gave His very best for you. So that's a message from the Passover. Number three, the lamb had to be slain. Now here's the thing. They would grow attached to the lamb. As we'll read later, it was a lamb, then it was their lamb, almost like a pet. I mean, imagine having to sacrifice your pet. I was at our picnic yesterday and there was yapping dog, one yapping dog. I would have sacrificed that dog, maybe. <laughs> not really. No, I would have. No, not really. But, um, <laughs> but seriously, I mean, you know, who wants to do that? Because you grow fond of these little creatures and they become like a member of the family. And some people take it even further and, you know, the pets at the table. You know, it's one thing to feed the pet from the table, but they know they have a seat at the table. And, you know, and, the, and they're like, they, you push them in a stroller, which is, I think it's a sin. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm still looking up the word stroller, but I just don't think you should ever push a pet in a stroller. I'm sorry. But anyway, so they would grow fond of this animal. So there was a sense of personal loss when they would have to sacrifice it. You say that's so cruel. No, what's cruel is your sin against God. And it brought it home to you like, wow, this is causing me pain. Imagine the pain I caused God when I sin against Him. So it had not just the lamb, it became their lamb, an unblemished lamb, a healthy lamb. In the prime of life, the lamb had to be slain. It wasn't the life of the lamb that saved the people from judgment. It was the death of it. And Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Some people claim to admire the life and teachings of Jesus, but they don't want the death of the lamb or they don't want the cross. You know, we love the idea of heaven and hope and forgiveness and all those great features of our faith, but none of it would have happened without the death of Jesus on the cross. Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for many for the remission of sins. It's his blood that does it. As William Penn, founder of Pennsylvania, among other things, wrote, quote, no pain, no palm, no thorns, no throne, no gall, no glory, no cross, no crown. You can't have the benefits without the sacrifice. Point number four, this is a big one. Don't miss this one. The blood had to be applied. 
The blood had to be applied. Having an unblemished lamb was not enough. Even slaying the lamb was not enough. You had to apply the blood of the slain lamb to your doorpost. Look at Exodus 12, verse 13. The blood on the doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying. Underline this. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. Just underline that. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Imagine for a moment if you can. A doorway right here. Now imagine that you've just slain the lamb and you've taken the blood of the lamb on a hyssop or a little bush and, and you're taking the blood now because you know the judgment of God is coming on the firstborn of Egypt. And you don't want that judgment to come on your firstborn. And God's told you what to do. Slay the lamb and apply the blood. So now you got the blood on your little hyssop bush and you put it on the left. Now you put it on the right. Now you put it up on the top. And the Lord sees the blood and he passes over in his judgment. What does this remind you of? Blood on the right, blood on the left, blood on the top. It's a cross. The left and the right hand of Jesus pierced with the Roman spike. His head having the crown of thorns on it causing laceration. So you have to apply the blood. What does that mean? Because you hear Christians say things, oh man, it's, all, it's under the blood. Just plead the blood of Jesus. Okay, why? What are you even talking about? Okay, let's get specific about what we mean now to you about applying the blood. Let's say that you are struggling with guilt over a sin that maybe you committed years ago. It may have been a very serious sin. And you can't seem to let it go. And so you say things like, well, and you even have that voice, well, you know. <laughs> I need to forgive myself. Really? Can you forgive yourself? I forgive me. I mean, what does that even mean? Where did that come from? That's weird. Stop trying to forgive yourself. It, you're not in a position to forgive yourself. So instead of trying to forgive yourself, try this thought on for size. You need to understand the power and completeness of God's forgiveness purchased for you by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see? Jesus paid the price for your sin and has forgiven and justified you, the Bible says. Romans 5.1, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You see, this is not something I do. It's what Christ has done for me. And he promises to cleanse me from all sin. Not some sin, all sin. And we're told in 1 John, if I walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Listen, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. But if I say I, ha I have no sin, the truth is not in me. But if I will confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So if you want to apply the blood, you have to confess your sin. What does it mean to confess your sin? You admit it, you acknowledge it, and you call it what it is. You don't call it a mistake <laughs> or a shortcoming or a boo-boo. Lord, forgive me of my <clears throat> boo-boos. No, it's a sin. Well, it's great to have you with us today on A New Beginning and the series Water, Fire, Stone with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And he's talking about true repentance today helping us to consider the Passover from Exodus 12. Let's continue. 
Have you ever had someone apologize to you and their apology was worse than the actual offense? <laughs> because it wasn't an apology at all. You know it's not a good apology if it starts with the word if. Um, if I hurt you or if you feel bad about me slapping you across the face. Uh, if, if you think I made a mistake. Not I made a mistake. If you think I made a mistake or if what I said hurt you because you misunderstood me, I'm sorry you feel that way. All good? No, not good. That was a lame apology. In fact, it wasn't an apology at all. How about this? I was wrong. I'm sorry I hurt you. I apologize. Please forgive me. Boom. That's an apology. See, a lot of us don't know how to apologize. We just make things worse by these ridiculous things. We say, imagine going to the Lord and saying, Lord, if you misunderstood my mistake, uh, and I, I'm sorry it made you feel that way. No, don't say that to God. Here's what you say to God. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Like that one sinful man said. Or as David said in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned and committed this iniquity. Now, after your confession, it's time to apply the blood. So I don't even know what that means. Okay, I've confessed it. What did God tell me in 1 John 1, 9? If I'll confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So you say effectively, Lord, you suffered on the cross for my sin. Now I confess it. I repent of it. And I accept your forgiveness made available to me through your shed blood. Now listen, now you drop it. Drop it. Quit dragging it up again. Oh, I did this many years ago. Hey, he says he'll forgive your sin and forget your sin. I should not choose to remember what God has chosen to forget. Apply the blood. That's what it means. <laughs> Apply the blood. On my keyboard, I, I have a key. It says delete. And um, if I have some text in the document and I want to get rid of it, I highlight it and I hit the delete key and it all disappears. I don't know where it goes. God has taken his delete key, if you will, to your sin and he's removed it as far as the east is from the west. So apply the blood. Guess who doesn't want you to know this? The devil, your adversary. He'll always challenge God's forgiveness in your life and that's why he's called the accuser of the brothers. He's very clever because first he tempts you to sin then he condemns you for doing it. He'll whisper in your ear, go ahead and look at this. Go ahead and go there. Go ahead and try this. I won't tell anybody if you won't. You can trust me. <laughs> it kind of sounded like a snake. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So you do it? Now he says, you miserable hypocrite. You're not a Christian. God doesn't love you. How dare you read the Bible? Don't even think of going to church. He's so clever. So how do you overcome the devil? Well, in Revelation chapter 12, we read about these courageous believers that are martyred for their faith and they're in heaven and they're rejoicing. And listen to what they say. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, that's the devil, 
who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Okay, good. How, did, how was he cast down? Listen, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives until the death. How did they overcome him? They applied the blood in their lives. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus dealt a decisive blow against the devil and his demons. And I'm told in Colossians 2.14 that Jesus obliterated the handwritten document of ordinances against us and nailed it to the cross and stripped off and away from himself the principalities and authorities, speaking of the devil and his demons, and he boldly made an example of them. Let me loosely paraphrase that. At the cross, Jesus kicked in the devil's teeth. That's what happened, just like that. <laughs> Obliterated him. He no longer has the power he once had. Number five, they were ready to be moving at a moment's notice. So when they celebrated Passover, they had to be ready to move at a moment's notice. Look at Exodus 12, 11. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, carry your walking stick in your hand, eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. I eat every meal with urgency. <laughs> so this is not a problem for me. Some people eat slowly. Other people eat quickly. That's me. My wife, you know, she cuts every bite perfectly. My bites are too big. Okay, they're just too big. <laughs> you know, she's like, nice little bite. And then she'll talk and even like gesture with it on the fork. I'm like, what are you even doing? It's like the food. Eat the food. I'm like a shark. Have you ever watched a shark when it bites into something, those little eyelids close? He's just, Roar. that's me eating, okay? So I eat every meal with urgency. And uh, that's why I can't get food home. When I pick up food, if I pick up a pizza, half of it is gone uh, before I get home. And pizzas are not easy to eat when you're driving, are they? They're kind of messy and greasy and all that. And one of the things I love at Taco Bell are the, are the Dorito tacos. Have you tried those? The shell's made out of a Dorito chip. Okay, you're clapping for that. Okay, wow. <laughs> Didn't clap for one point in the sermon, but the Dorito taco shells got applause from whoever that was. And I know it was a guy because only a guy would do it. And now he's, he's acknowledging it and that's even worse. Okay, so thank you on behalf of Taco Bell and Doritos. Uh, though I don't represent them. But the problem with the Dorito shell is when you bite into it, it disintegrates. Uh, and so when I am done driving it, it looks like there was an explosion in a Doritos factory. And I'll walk in, Kathy says she went to Taco Bell. How do you know? It's all over my shirt. <laughs> Evidence. Eat it in haste, okay? And then put on your sandals and have your walking stick. What does this mean? Let's update it. Um, have your running shoes on. Have your suitcase packed. Have your cell phone charged. Have your passport ready. And be ready to go out that door. You say, meaning what? Meaning live in a sense of expectancy of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Be ready to go. Are you ready to go? <laughs> Lord, if you call me, I'm ready. And also, be ready for opportunities that will come in your path. Like here, here's a way to Share the gospel. Those things pop up often unexpectedly. Be ready, be alert. Do these things. This is how we are to live. 
Pastor Greg Laurie urging us to be ready. Some great insight from our study called The Passover, A New Beginning. And tomorrow we'll have some more from Pastor Greg's series, Water, Fire, Stone, on the life of Moses. Some insight on the forgiveness that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. Join us same time tomorrow on A New Beginning. For a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The Passover, A New Beginning. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.